All right. What a good morning. Isn't it a good morning? Yeah? You know, I evidently have a reputation. I don't want you to tell me if it's a good reputation or a bad reputation, but this morning I was like, like oh, Benny's talking? Oh, well, we're going to shorten that set. Oh, and you know what? We're, we're going to get some extra games going downstairs. I'm like, oh, evidently I talk a lot. So that's okay. I'm all right with that. You guys are, are ready for uh, a little bit of a journey today? We're going to fly through some stuff. Is that okay? Yeah, you guys like that little picture of the cute kid with the new coat? It's coat season. I don't know what coat season looks like in your house, but coat season in my house looks like my wife uh, is way better at, like, looking at it and being like, oh, yeah, well, we need to get this size for Avi because, you know, you know, that would fit him right now, but by February, we're buying two coats, right? Me, I'm like, oh, yeah, hey, how about this thing? And she's like, no, by that season, like, they're going to be a completely different size that's not going to work. I don't know how my wife does it. My assumption, my, I don't know, for those of you that are married men, I hope that you have a wife that also can, like, guess the coat size. I don't understand how their brains work where they're like, oh, yeah, yeah. We're going to have this. It's going to be a little bit big at first, but then they're going to grow into it, and then they're going to grow out of it eventually. Isn't that kind of crazy, though, how, like, my wife, she can do this like seven months in advance. Like there's times where I'm like, oh, this is a cute little outfit. It's on sale. It's in clearance in Target. And she'll be like, yeah, but that's a summer outfit. And sale is going to be like that size plus an extra two. And I'm like, how do you, how do you remember how fast they grow? Like I don't, I don't, anyways. Isn't that fun? Whatever. doesn't matter. Time for a new coat. Um, we're going to be talking about the Passover, then Hannah in the Bible, dangerous prayers, Samuel's robes. And then old, new, back to you. So what I want you guys to do, so old kids, young kids alike, what I want you to do is when I say the word Samuel, this is my invitation to you. You can say, new coat. All right, so let's practice. Samuel. New coat. All right. All right, so we're going to do that. We ready for this? All right, let's go to the next slide. Okay, we're going to start off in the time of Passover, okay? So we've got Egypt right, that has Israelites, that the Israelites are the slaves to the Egyptians for a long, 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 long period of time. And uh, when God calls Moses and says, hey, we're going to actually take you and you're going to bring all the Israelites out of this place, right? We're going to take you out of all of this slavery, all of this death. I got something new for you. I got something good for you. But you know what? Uh, Pharaoh, he doesn't want to let his people go. So it's not going to be super, super easy, but what we're going to do is we're going to drop some plagues on them, okay? So this is like the Benny's abridged version. There's more in the Bible, right? So anyways, there's these plagues that happen. And the funny, I don't know, it's funny to me, like Moses goes and he's doing these, these like wonders, these miracles. And then Mo, uh, the Pharaoh's like, oh, hey, oh, my guys can do that too. Oh, my guys can do that too. Oh, yeah, yeah, sticks into snakes, no problem. My guys can do that too. And then he gets the gnats, and they're like, no, 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 no. Pharaoh, you got to listen. you got to listen to God. Nobody does gnats. Uh-uh. This is the real God here because no gnats, they're off the table. Gnats? Like, you made sticks go into snakes, but gnats, you're like, we're done. Anyways, long story short, they keep going, and Pharaoh keeps saying, no, no, no. I'm not letting your people go. Not letting them go, not letting them go, not letting them go. So it comes to this point, the Passover, right? And so this is one... This is like a very, very weighty, very heavy, heavy plague where God says, actually, what I want you to do is 
everybody's going to go, you're going to get a male lamb, one-year-old, without blemish. You're going to slaughter it. You're going to cook it a certain way. You're going to eat it a certain way. You're going to make unleavened bread. You're going to pack your bags. You're going to be ready to go. All these things in preparation, which is like this weighty, weighty, like, day where they know what's coming. And they says, listen, if you put that blood, like that picture, over your doorpost, right? At night when I come, I'm going to look and say, okay, they're faithful. They're, they're acting in obedience. They're faithful to me. These are my peeps. I'm going to pass over this house. And the sad, sad, sad thing is the houses that didn't have it, Egyptian or Israeli, like any house in the land that didn't have it, their firstborn was lost that night. That's heavy. It's a heavy, heavy thing. And that was the, the, the crux of Pharaoh being like, get out of here. Like, not like, hey, I'm going to keep my slaves. It's like, no, no, no. I, I don't want you guys anymore. Go. And so they plundered the nation. They took off. They went through the Red Sea. They did their thing, right? Went into uh, the desert. <coughs> and while they were in the desert, they could have gone to the promised land in eight days, but it took them 40 years. That's a whole other story for you. Um, but in the meantime... They started grumbling before the Lord and like, hey, we're hungry because we ran out of food. So God says, all right, I'm going to start giving you food. So he starts giving them this manna. Every day they get new fresh manna. And the, the thing is, it's kind of like this, this bread. You need this fresh bread. And every day they would have this manna, and it, they, at the end of the day they had to get rid of what's left. They couldn't store up any value for the next day, right? They literally had to trust that God was going to be faithful one day at a time, decade after decade. Now, the exception of that is um, coming into the, the Shabbat, the Sabbath day, he would give them a double portion. So they didn't have to do any work, any other work. So, hey, bring in double portion of the bread and then hang out there. Um, we're not going to spend a ton of time about double portion stuff, but there's a lot of fascinating places in Scripture where there's double portion concept keeps repeating, okay? So anyways, we'd give this double portion, um, Moses went, made the Ark of the Covenant, um, and that's our version today on Google. Um, I don't know exactly what it looked like, but there's some really cool detail. But those are cherubim that are over there. The idea is that during those 40 years and afterwards, God's presence resided in the tabernacle, in this house, right? And, and there's this mercy seat. So there's a presence of God that was on this place, Okay. So they get into the promised land. They start conquering the areas that they're there. They didn't conquer all of the land when they got to Shiloh, the city on a hill, and they parked that thing, the Ark of the Covenant, with God's presence there. They built the tabernacle that was there longer, and it sat there for 369 years. Okay, so plus the 40 years in the desert, that's 409 years. So what I want you to do is picture in your head, America's been around for 250 years, right? So... 250 plus another 150, think about Washington, D.C., and there's, there's this, like, one spot there where there's a house where only the high priest could go in, and if you want to have any encounter with the Lord, it's there for 400 years. So almost one and a half times as long as America's been around. This is what they did, is they went there, okay? You guys with me? Okay, so this is the time frame, 400 years after, that we're going to be talking about a guy named Samuel. New coat! All right, there it is. All right, so Elkanah, Hannah, and Penina. Penina? I don't really know how to say her name. I'm going to be honest. I'm going to call her Penina. So, El what is it? No, all right. 
thought we had it for a second there. Okay, so Alcana, he gets married. He gets married for love, right? He finds Hannah. He's like, I love Hannah. I'm going to marry her. Marries her. And the cool thing is what we find out later in 1 Chronicles 6 is that Kim and Samuel, ah, new coat, there it is. All right, they, they were literally in the line of, of the, the Levites. So Levi the high priest. So they were in the line, right? And so it's kind of important that he has children and sons in particular. Now, the thing is, he didn't have kids. And in that day and age, they assumed, oh, well, it's got to be the woman's problem, right? Somewhere in the Bible, it says, well, her womb was closed. What exactly that means, I'm not going to get into theologically. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It was. She didn't have kids, right? So he's like, well, let me come up with a solution. I'm going to get a second wife. All right, so when I was over in Africa, this was really common. I don't suggest it to any of you all. Like, I've never seen it work well. Anyways, so he gets a second wife. He's like, all right, well, I'll have some kids with this one. And he had kids with that one. All right, so Penina, the second wife, ends up having a bunch of children, right? And once a year, they would make this travel, right? And it's a lot different travel than today. You can't just hop in the, the car and drive your 40 miles real quick up the hill and be like, all right, we're going to do our sacrifices and worship and be back for lunch, right? No, no, it's, you know, you're going through areas where it's not super safe, where historically there was times where it's like the Benjamites were like, hey, we don't have enough women. Go pick one up as they're coming through. Like, there's crazy stuff that happened, right? There's looters, there's beggars, there's a bunch of stuff. But these people would all go together once a year, and they would do their, their worshiping and their sacrifices before the Lord, okay? Now, when I lived in Senegal, you know, um, they also have these days over there where they would do a lot of the sacrifices. And the craziest thing is, like, leading up to it, like, the town would get just ridden with goats and sheep. It was so loud. me, ma, meh, everywhere. Like, everywhere. And then you wake up one morning, and it's quiet. It's kind of this eerie feeling, right? It's kind of like also the sounds that had happened way back with Passover, right, with Egypt. But anyways, so they're coming up here. They make their sacrifices. There's this whole procedure that happens where when they make their sacrifices, then um, the priests in the high priest line what they end up having to do is they, they go and they boil the meat and then they stick like a little trident in there. And then whatever food comes out of that is what feeds the high priest. And then there, there's a portion that's given back to the families because they made a long very, you know. So it's like, here, here's your stuff. All right, so basically we've got them going up there. So it's, it's Akana, Hannah, Peninnah, and Peninnah's kids, okay? And... Cana, bless his heart, as they would say in the South, not very bright. Like in front of Peninnah, and his heart hurts for Hannah, right? Hannah like wants children. And Hannah's grieving and is like, man, if I only had sons, you know? And she's grieving that. And, and meanwhile, he's over there and he's like, hey, uh, am I not enough? Aren't I better than 10 sons? Well, first of all, you're saying that in front of your second wife that has kids. So you just completely invalidated one of your wives and their kids in front of her. And then you're like, here, here's one portion for you, Penina, your kids. Oh, Hannah, I'm going to give you a double portion. So like in front of them, like, hey, let me get you a double portion and be like, hey, you guys don't matter. But don't I matter more than kids? Like, and if I was Hannah, I'd be like, well, don't I matter more than kids? Why'd you go get a second wife and kids? Right? Like, that's Benny version. That's not in the Bible. 
Um, thankfully, she goes a different route. So Penina goes, and she's like, yeah, hey, I was working out over there, no kids. Hey, loves me more. I'm going to have another kid probably by this time. Like, she just keeps antagonizing Hannah, right? And Hannah is grieved, right? So Penina is just going after her, after, after, and after. And again, it's because she's wounded, and so she's going to take it out on the other wife, right? And she's going to like, let me just stick it in there a little bit more, right? So she's doing that. Meanwhile, what Hannah does is she turns around and she goes to the high priest, and in particular, she goes to God, and she pours out her heart, it says. Like, it's literally her, her mouth is going, her lips are moving, but there's no volume coming out. There's no words coming out. And what she's saying is, God, please, 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 please. Like, I don't know why I don't have children, but I want children. You know what? Please, if you would give me children, I will, I will give you my firstborn to live in the temple forever. That's a bold prayer. And a prayer out of some desperation. But that's a bold prayer, right? And Eli's over there, the high priest at the time, is like, man, why is this woman drunk in here? It's like, oh, can you, Hannah, can you stop drinking? Like, I don't know who you are, but like, why are you drinking in the house of the Lord? Like, can you, can you move that somewhere else? She's like, I'm, I'm, I haven't had a touch of, like, I haven't had anything. Like, I haven't been drinking. I've been out of anguish, pouring my heart out to God. And he says, well, whatever, whatever you're asking for, may God give it to you. Right? So she goes back home. She has a baby boy. God opens her womb. Name is Samuel, which means God heard. There it is. Good job. He's on it. A little bit faster than the rest of you guys, but you guys got there. I like it. All right. So Samuel. <coughs> All right. And the game's on. Good. <coughs> so this baby boy is born, and she comes up after she weans this baby boy. And I cannot imagine, slash I don't think I want to imagine as a parent what it would be like to actually bring your newborn child, the thing that you have been waiting for your entire life, the thing that you've been like crying out in anguish for and saying, you know what, God, I gave you my word that if you gave me a son, I would give him back to you. I can't imagine going and saying, here's my son, I'll see him in a year. I don't think I want to go there. Like, in my heart, like, that's such a precious thing and such a weighty sacrifice. Like, here's the thing, when you pray bold prayers, God will give you a chance to respond boldly. Now, she could have been like, yeah. I'm not actually going to do that. Eh, I don't know. Eli, nobody heard my prayer. I mean, I was just praying in my heart. So she could have justified a billion ways. And I don't think we would have seen near the kind of goodness that comes out of Samuel's life if she didn't. There it is. <laughs> I asked to be distracted. It's okay. Uh, I'm just kidding. Um, so I want you to think about this for a second. Actually, let's go to the next slide. Let me tell you about Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas real quick. So Eli's high priest at the time. He's got two sons, Hophni, Phinehas. Not really good guys at all. So kind of what they're known for is a couple different things. One being they're not doing the sacrifices the, the way they're supposed to. Instead of going and boiling the meat, they're over there saying, no, 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 no. Actually, I want the, the tenderloin cut over here, please. Actually, no, no, don't put that in the water. I'm going to go and roast that thing over here because roasted tenderloin is way better. Right? So they're going and getting the choicest meat, and then they're cooking it in a completely different way. And what they're doing is essentially mocking God and what God had said of, 
hey, these are the way that I want you to provide the sacrifices. This is what we're going to do. And they'd be like, no, no, no. And it got to the place where they would even say like, give it to me now or I'm going to beat you up. Like there's literally a verse in there where they're going to beat up the people coming to give sacrifices if they don't give them the raw meat. Like, hey, like these people that are coming up once a year, they're, they're trying to like give the proper way. And the priest is saying, no, no, no. I'm going to defile your sacrifice. I'm going to take the best for me. And then I'm going to go sleep with the women out front. I'm not going to get into details of that. It's a mess. That obviously hurt God's heart. And he's like, what are you doing? Like, this is the one place, like, once a year that people come to be in my presence, and this is going to be their takeaway. This is their perception of the people that are of most high. And you guys, like, you bear my image. You bear my image, and this is what they're going to see of me. Like, you're the representation. Mm-mm. So God says, hey, you know what? For those that honor me, I'm going to honor them. Those that are not honoring me, I'm going to hold them in light esteem. He said, you know what? Days are going to come where, Eli, I'm going to cut off your strength. I'm going to take away everything that your family has been holding on to generation by generation. He says, you know, the sign is going to be that both of your sons are going to die on the same day. That's a weighty judgment, right? Next slide. Okay, so now we get to 1 Samuel. 2.18. Samuel was ministering before the Lord, a boy clothed in a linen ephod, all right? And his mother was, a mother used to make for him a little robe and take it to him each year when she went up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Then Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say, may the Lord give you children by this woman for the petition she asked of the Lord. So then they would return to their home and indeed the Lord visited Hannah and she conceived and bore three more sons and two more daughters. And the young man, Samuel, grew in the presence of the Lord. New coat. Every year, he got a new coat. Now think about this for a second, moms. Finding a robe, and it's technically a robe. It's an ephod, right? But for our day and age, it just makes the most sense that we're going to stay with coat, okay? So a garment, something that he had to wear. Now, he had to wear this coat, right, for a year, Think about trying to, like, think of all the sizes your child will be in a whole year. You have to have something that is, you know, they put it on and it's way too big, but they're going to grow into it, and eventually they're going to start growing out of it, and when it starts restricting, guess what? Mom comes home with a new coat, and you get to start it all over again. Year after year after year, they got a new coat, right? Now, to put on this old coat, which is going to be too small, it's going to be outgrown, it's going to chafe, it's going to be uncomfortable, it's going to be worn. It's going to be a little bit dirty. It's going to be faded. To put this thing on, like, you literally have to take off the old coat. You have to strip yourself down, and then you have to put on the new one, which is, again, going to be too big, but then it's going to have, you know, it's roomy. It's clean, and you're going to slowly grow into this thing, right? All right, next slide. Let me talk about some of Samuel's coats. It's really, really cool to me that, like, she marked every year by giving him a new coat. And every part of his life, to me, when I look at it, is about going from the old coat to the new coat, right? So Samuel starts off as a servant. He's a servant boy in the temple, right? So this little kid, again, remember the, you had, you had the, the, um, the tabernacle? The, so you had him in the presence of the Lord day and night. He just spent time in the presence of the Lord. Now, he didn't realize fully what that meant. He didn't really 
like, realize that he was in the presence of the Lord when he was really, really little. But the cool thing is he goes from that to he becomes the high priest. Okay? Part of that transition was um, in 1 Samuel 3. It says, the word of the Lord was rare in those days. The word of the Lord was rare in those days. Now, again, if you only have one place in the country where the presence of the Lord is, and you have to go there, and the people that should be listening to the word of the Lord and telling the people are not really taking it seriously, that's part of why for 400 years we've got it's rare in those days, right? It's rare that people actually know the word of the Lord and are actually going to follow it, okay? So it starts off with the word of the Lord is rare. And there's this really cool situation that happens where there's this one morning, and Samuel is sleeping. He's sleeping, and he's kind of like in that wakefulness and dreams area, and he hears, Samuel. And he's like, oh, Eli's calling. So he runs the other room. Hey, Eli, here I am. What do you want? And he's like, I didn't, I didn't call you. Like, go back to bed, buddy. What are you doing? Oh, sorry. Let me go back. So he goes and he lays down, about to fall asleep. Samuel. Oh, oh, Eli's calling. He runs back over. And he's like, hey, you called me. Here I am. I, I, I didn't call you. Like, eventually gets to the place where Eli's like, oh, oh, word of the Lord is rare. But you know what? I know what this is. God's talking to you. So next time say, hey, your servant is listening. He's like, oh, okay. That's weird, but all right. Lays back down. Samuel. He says, Yes, Lord, spirit, or, or I'm, I'm here, your servant's here. And he says, hey, FYI, i got to tell you some bad news. This is what's going to happen to Eli and his kids. And Eli at this point is essentially like his dad. And the other ones are like his brothers. And to like hear this word that, hey, by the way, God's going to rip everything from them because of their unfaithfulness and what they're doing, like that's a tough word. So that next morning, he's like, trying to do his, like, temple duties with, like, oh, Eli's over there. Oh, I got to clean over here, you know? He kind of avoided him. Eli knows what's up, and he's like, all right, come on. Come on. Give, me the, give me the beans. Spill the tea. Come on. Tell me. What's, what did God say to you? And you know what? I know, that, I know that it's not great, but may it be to you and more if you don't tell me. Woo! All right. Well, Dad, guess what? Um, God said that he's going to take everything from you, and you know what? You're going to know that it's going to happen because both your sons are going to die on the same day. And, like, he's dropping this, like, terrible stuff. And Eli's like, all right, may the Lord do what he wants to do kind of deal. And it's like, okay. Part of me wonders what would happen if he had repented and if he had led his kids to repent and said, God, our bad, you are slow to anger. Please remember us. He didn't choose that, though. So, long story short, he goes from word of the Lord to eventually in Samuel 19. There it is. He ends up leading a whole company, it says, of prophets. Right? So the word of the Lord was rare. And by Samuel 19, he's got a whole crew of people that are listening to the word of the Lord and can prophesy. And this story in Samuel 19, it's kind of crazy. So Saul goes, and he's sending the army. He's sending these people to go take out David. He's like, uh-uh, David, he's coming after us. We're going to take him out. And so these guys, are, they're going, and they're like, oh, man, what's that guy? What's that group of people doing? As they get closer to Samuel, 
and his people, they start prophesying with them. Like, there's something on this group of people that even as they're, like, in the presence of the Lord, it's spreading like wildfire. Like, it goes from being rare to all you have to do is be in the presence, and you're going to start being connected. There's so much goodness in that. All right. He was Israel's last judge. So basically during this 400-year period, they had started off with doing everybody doing what they thought was good in their own eyes. And then you had one judge, which is kind of like a king. So he was the, the big honcho, right? For 40 years, four decades. I'm not even 40 years old. All of my life he would have been the leader. But he was the last judge because the people cried out and said, we want a king like everybody else, right? And so he's like, well, it's not going to be a good one, but um, Samuel, <coughs> what I want you to do is go anoint the first king, all right? So he anoints Saul. Um, later on, he ends up also anointing David, which is cool. Um, so again, old coat is last judge, and then to the kings. He's in that transition. Um, he grew up in the presence of the Lord in the tabernacle. This is one of those cool things where, you know, I was telling you about how he had heard the word of the Lord audibly. And I mean, like, audibly heard the word of the Lord. And, like, I don't know about you guys, but there, when I was a child, I had an insatiable desire for hearing God's voice like this. Like, has anybody else been like, I want to hear God's voice like this? Like, it's not... Well, I think God is saying, it's no, the Lord said, da, da 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 And there are times in my life where it's like, it is clear as day, I know verbatim what he's saying and how he's saying it, okay? There's also times in my life where it's like, I feel like I haven't heard from you for a while. Let me go back and see if I was faithful to the last thing you said because you're awfully quiet these days, right? And I have to kind of check myself and be like, was I listening last time, Right? There was a time when I was in college, and I was uh, about to get ready uh, to come to church. I'd already hit my snooze at least once, and uh, I was living with my grandma who had just had hip surgery and Nagani, and so I was upstairs in my house, and I was laying in my bed, and, and I hear, Benjamin, and I sit up, and I go to the stairs, I'm about to call down, and I'm like, wait a second, that was not my grandma's voice, number one, and two, like, she goes to church earlier than I do. I'm on Nagani standard time. So, um, okay, let me lay back down. So I lay back down, but this time I'm listening, and I hear Benjamin again. And immediately I remember these stories, and I'm like, whoa, 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 what's going on, right? I'm having this conversation with a voice in my head that's not male and not female and is the purest voice in my, my life, right? Nathan and I might have to have a counseling session. I'm hearing voices. Um, that's a joke. Um, and I'm not going to go through the whole conversation, but it ends with, I'm here to pray for you. And almost immediately, I feel this wind on my body. And in my head as a human, I'm like, oh, I should listen to see if the curtains are moving in my room. And then I'm like, why am I checking to see if the curtains are moving in my hearing? I'll just open my eyes and look. And I couldn't. And then I'm like, I'm trying to open my eyes. And I'm like, why do I care? Why do I care? And then I sat back, and I, and I let his presence come on top of me. And, like, the reason why I'm saying this is because there are fresh things that he wants to do in and through us. They're like, God, give me this little taste. And again, 
It's almost like you have these tastes and these seasons, and then you're like, you almost get tired of waiting. And then you start saying, no, I need to get hungry again. I need to desire that again like I did when I was a child. Like, I need to put myself in a spot where I, I have a, what's, what's the, uh, say it? Ruthless elimination of hurry in my life. I need to slow down and slow my heart so that I can listen again and tune my ears to the Lord. Right? Ah, oh, God, may you do that with this group. So we grew up in the presence of the Lord in the tabernacle. Um, one of the crazy things, I'm not going to go into all the details, but at one point in time, the Philistines are fighting the Israelites again. This is what happens over and over again. Um, and Hophni and Phinehas, they have this great idea. Hey, this time what we're going to do is we're going to take the tabernacle. We're going to take this thing out of, of the place, and we're going to go and bring it into war. This is, is going to be great, right? Philistines are, are afraid. They're like, something like this hasn't happened. There's a God in their camp. And instead, what they said is, all right, guys, hey, we're done anyway, so man up, it's time to go to war. And they actually, the Philistines came in and killed a ton of the Israelites, and they stole the tabernacle, and on the same day, you had both Hophni and Phinehas die. Then there's a guy that runs back to tell Eli, says, hey, by the way, this is what just happened. And Eli he fell over backwards and broke his neck and died. Same day, boom, 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 and Samuel's in charge. New coat, there it is. That was fast. Who said that over there? Somebody? Huh? Nobody wants to take? All right, we're going to give credit to Isaac. Good job, Isaac. Um, just kidding. So in a moment, it goes from like, whoa, this is this thing here where the presence of the Lord is there, and now it's in our enemy's camp, Right? But the cool thing is, this was such a gift in so many ways because instead of it just being in this one physical location in a house where only so many people had it, God's presence was still on Samuel. Like, think about this for a second. For 400 years, you know of it as you have to be in Water's Edge Church building if you want to hear from the Lord. And then all of a sudden, no, 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 actually... Those that are in that building, they're out on the streets, and guess what? God is speaking through them in their cities and the villages, and it's spreading like wildfire. And people that are even coming in their presence are now prophesying too. Like, it is moving it out of the church. It's like the first wave of like, hey, by the way, here's a new code of what's going to happen. This is what's going to happen in the new covenant. This is what's going to happen with Jesus. Is your spirit is going to come on your people. And you don't have to be physically in this location to have an interaction with God. Isn't that cool? All right. Um, go to the next slide. Coat questions. Okay. Have we prayed bold prayers? Are you willing to pray bold prayers? All right. Have we responded to the opportunity of those bold prayers? What old coats are restricting us? What things have we, we individually or corporately that we've had, that we grew into, that we are kind of chafed, that are, it's uncomfortable, that we need to grow out of, that we need to like literally take off the old coat in our life and say, okay, I'm going to lay this old thing down, whether it's a way of thinking, whether it's something that we do. It doesn't matter. What are the old coats in our life where God is saying, hey, I want to let this thing go, strip down before him, 
which means you're going to have to be real with God and say, hey, this is who I am, and let him give you a new coat, right? Are you willing to take our old coats off? Do you have the courage to stand before him bare? Are you ready to wear a new coat and grow into it? I think that God has got an invitation for us individually and corporately that we can have a new coat. I think that he wants to do amazing things through this congregation, through our families, through our neighborhoods, through this community. I think he wants us to be a blessing. But it's going to come down to us saying, I'm going to let go of some of the things of the old. I'm going to come and I'm going to present myself bare before the Lord. And then I'm going to embrace the coat that God gives us as a community, right? Are we listening to the Holy Spirit? We have the advantage post Jesus that we can hear the word of the Lord and it doesn't have to be rare, okay? What I'm going to end up doing, let's put it back to the the questions, is we're going to take a little time. um, Instead of of going into our groups for prayer right now, what I'm going to ask you all to do is just sit in silence for, I don't know, we'll do a few minutes. And um, what I want you to do is just think of those questions and say, in your heart, God, are there any old coats in my life that you want me to lay down? You might be at the stage where you say, God, hey, this is who I am. I want to just bear my heart to you because I know that there's good stuff, right? There's something fresh that you want to give. There's something fresh in my life that you want to do. Help prepare my heart to be able to do that, okay? So we're going to just spend a little time in there, and then what we'll do in a few minutes is we're going to do communion together. It's kind of like, you know, the Passover that we had talked about with Moses Day. They practiced every year. And it's a really cool verse There's where it basically says, you know, in First Chronicles, I think, 15, it's like, there was never a Passover feast like, like there was when Samuel was around. Samuel evidently did, had the best Passover. Jesus, we are so thankful you laid your life down for us. And we are thankful for the goodness that you desire in and through us. We thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit as a companion. God, we look forward to the day that you return. God, we do this as one, as a remembrance of the things of the past, but we do this also in preparation of our hearts for you returning back. God, may you make this bride pure and spotless. God, give us the courage to pray bold prayers. Give us even more courage to walk faithfully in response to the things that you've you've got for us. God, I ask that you would bless these, your people, today. May the fullness of your favor rest on them as they go into the marketplace. God, may they be a blessing to their families and their neighborhoods. God, may you slow our hearts down and speak to us quietly and intimately and reveal your love to us. God, help us be quick to receive that love so that we can be quick to give that to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Mm-hmm.